Hello, my name is Kyle Davis, and I am the Director of Public Affairs at the Empire Center, and I get to sit down and have a conversation with Senior Fellow for Health Policy, Bill Hammond, on this episode of Messages of Necessity. How are you doing today, Bill? Very good. Pleased to be here. So, Bill, you've you had a recent blog post on um, not only hospital staffing but health workforce staffing. Um, your your blog mentions that the healthcare workforce is bigger than ever, despite lingering maybe some lingering shortages. Can you explain what factors have contributed to this growth? I mean, New York is just a big spending state on healthcare. We have been traditionally, and we seem to be doing our best to, you know, leave the rest of the country behind. Um, we have, uh, to some extent, we have um, a concentration of medical schools in New York City who, you know, kind of export doctors to the rest of the country. Um, so that's part of it. But also, we just have a we just have a a, a, a rich um, set of programs that finance healthcare, both public and private, and they support uh, what turns out to be the the country's largest healthcare workforce on a per capita basis. So, in your recent blog post, you highlighted that that number of healthcare workforce workers reached a record high of 1.3 million. Can you discuss maybe some of the potential benefits to that, but also the challenges of having such a large healthcare workforce in the state? Well, I I want to give a little background first. Um, yeah. Healthcare is generally kind of a recession-proof industry. Uh, we need it whether the economy is good or bad. Um, but the pandemic was a historic exception to that. Um, in one month, we lost like a sixth of our healthcare workforce was laid off because of pandemic disruptions in the spring of 2020. Uh, it took a while for us to recover from that. It took uh, about 18 months. Um, but so last fall is about when we got back to our pre-pandemic level. But since then, we've grown by another five or six percent. Um, that I, I think our government structure seems to believe that the more healthcare workers, the merrier, right? That, that that's a that's a good thing, and the governor indeed has pledged to increase the healthcare worker workforce by twenty percent. Um, I forget what time frame that was, but she made that promise in her first state of the state speech in twenty twenty two. I uh, I'm not sure that. We should always want more healthcare. It's it's a you know this country. We, the U.S. spends more on healthcare than the rest of the world, and New York spends more on healthcare than the rest of the country. So we may be the biggest spending place in the whole world on healthcare, um, and it supports a lot of jobs, but it you know it costs us money. Uh, it comes out of our taxes. It comes out of our uh, health insurance that we pay the highest premiums in the country for. So it's that that's the main burden that it, it well, and also I would point out it's not buying us particularly high quality care. 
uh, uh, time and again in this job, I have occasion to look at quality report cards for various parts of our healthcare system. And it's in a lot of them, and surprising number of them, we rank not at the top, not even in the middle, but near the bottom. And so um, I think we need, I think there's an assumption in some circles that the more you spend, the better you get. And that turns out not to be the case time and again. Um, and so I think uh, our policy should probably shift away from focusing on money all the time and, and focus on other ways of, of trying to improve quality. So if I hear you right, Bill, it, it seems to me that you're saying that having such a large healthcare workforce could have a negative economic impact to some degree, but also that there may not be a direct correlation between having a larger healthcare workforce and the quality of care that folks are receiving. Am I, am I understanding you right there, do you think? Well, there's certain settings where um, having access to employees would be a good in and of itself. I'm thinking in particular of nursing homes where um, the the staff are going to be a large share of, of the human beings that you're in contact with on a daily basis. And so it, the, the, if you have a lot of employees in a nursing home, that's that in and of itself is a value to the patient. Um in a hospital, though, I think if they can if they can fix your broken leg and send you home with two people instead of five, I don't see any like the, the important thing is that they fixed your broken leg and did it right and got you home as soon as possible. And that more employees may help in that situation, but they also may not make any difference. Um, so um I think one one issue that New York faces is that we have a heavily unionized healthcare system compared to other states, and that tends to come with a lot of work rules and staffing requirements that drives up the employment level without necessarily improving quality. And so, uh, th- this is where we find ourselves after you know years of 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 uh, what you might call labor friendly healthcare policy. We have a big workforce and not much to show for it. So as you mentioned, this isn't a problem that started overnight. This is something that's been going on for a while. Do you want to briefly kind of describe that historical trend? Has it been constantly ever upward or um, obviously? Well, like I say, it, 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 it generally goes up steadily year after year, regardless of the economy. Um, we had a big disruption because of the pandemic in 2020. And we've now come back, um, like the last 12 months was actually a higher than usual growth rate for healthcare as a whole. Um, one, one, one interesting thing I found in that blog post is that not all parts of the healthcare industry have recovered at an equal rate. Um, right. and not all parts of the state have recovered at an equal rate. Um, uh, nursing homes in particular are still about a fifth below in terms of employment or about a fifth lower than they were in 2019, um, which is that is kind of a tectonic uh, level of change in a, in a pretty short period. They were, they were on the decline before the pandemic in terms of their um, in terms of the number of residents they had and their employment was kind of stagnant. But they've, like I say, they've lost a fifth of their employees. 
and they don't it doesn't seem to be coming back anytime soon it's kind of plateaued um hospitals on the other hand uh they lost a lot of people gained them all back and now they've grown a little bit they're uh you know two or three percent ahead of where they were before the pandemic and then the third category i looked at was home care our home care um industry and employment was far and away the highest in the country before the pandemic and it's gone back it you know it had a setback during the pandemic but now it's gone back to growing like gangbusters and it's up 13% since the uh since 2019 i'm sorry up 20% since 2019 um that's it's over 500,000 workers are in that industry it's now the largest category of jobs in the state they outnumber retail clerks and fast food counter workers combined. Um, so that is an area where we just have, we, you, you could argue that we have an excess of workers in that area, although the industry would, would disagree with that because they say they have a shortage. But we have you know something like two and a half times per capita, we have two and a half times more of those workers than the country as a whole. Um, so you, you get these different trends in different parts of the industry. Uh, going back to nursing homes for a second, something that I thought was interesting. Um, even though we lost a fifth of our healthcare workforce, we still have more nursing home workers per capita than the country did in 2019. So we had this big gap with, with the rest of the country. Um, we've lost an awful lot of people. And yet we're still, we still have a, you know, uh, uh, close to av- like a, a a large workforce proportionally to the size of our state. Now, Bill, some of the changes that we see taking place, um, and, and also in the uneven recovery ac- across the healthcare sector, do you think um, do you think that's because there is a shift in care and choices of what people are choosing to do? Are people shifting away from nursing homes, and that's driving? those numbers down and driving numbers up elsewhere? Keeping people out of nursing homes has been a nominal goal of our of our policy for a generation or more. The thing is, it up until recently it hadn't worked. We we had we were spending a lot of money on home care, which is supposed to keep people out of nursing homes, but we still had a high population of nursing home residents. Now the whole country um, tragically lost a lot of nursing home residents during the pandemic. And on top of the people who died, you also had a decline in demand for nursing homes. People are, are working even harder to keep themselves and their family members out of institutions. Um, and so the nursing home population declined significantly um, since 2020. And I think that's not not necessarily something we should fight. I mean, like I say, the goal of our policy has been to reduce the nursing home population. So we should, we did have a long-term downward trend in nursing home um, occupancy. And so it's, uh, if if we don't, if that does not rebound, I think it's probably a a good thing for the state. the other area where there's disparities is that upstate versus downstate. So downstate has has 
and hiring at a much faster pace healthcare industry than upstate. That's true of the whole economy, but I'm, we're focusing on the healthcare industry. Um, well, if you look at the population numbers, upstate has been kind of stagnant or even declining in population and downstate has been relatively, has been growing. Um, well, I think you would expect under those circumstances that the demand for healthcare upstate would also decline somewhat and the demand for healthcare downstate would, would rise. And so that's you're seeing that reflected to some extent in the employment figures. Uh, there may be other issues on top of that that are that are complicating things for upstate hospitals and and other healthcare employers, but there that is one of the structural things that's driving the employment picture. So you would you would not necessarily say that the decrease in number of workers at the nursing home is going to affect quality of care. It has to do with more probably. Oh, um, well, I think inevitably if you have, if the, the other thing to look at is, is workers per or, or hours of labor per patient. Our numbers are, are average. Uh, which is which is kind of disappointing because we spend an awful lot on nursing homes as we spend a lot an awful lot on everything else, and we're we're getting a kind of average number of hours per per patient. Um, that's an area, like I said before, where I think the more hour the time with employees is itself a value in the context of a nursing home, and so that's something that to take seriously. That um, yeah. If if the number if your if the ratio between your labor and your patients goes the wrong way, that can be a bad thing for quality. Um, I will say though, we we are we're currently in the throes of trying to enforce minimum staffing laws in our nursing homes, which were adopted in 2021 in response to the pandemic. Those if there are, is a shortage of labor, that's going to make it worse because you now need more people to do the same amount of work. Um, it's, it's intended to improve quality. And I, you know, I think in an ideal world, it probably would, but if you don't have enough labor, um, imposing a law that says you have to hire more people, isn't going to fix that. Um, and also it's going to, it's going to be expensive because you're going to have all these nursing homes competing for a limited supply of labor. They're going to have to increase pay in that situation. And and that ultimately, obviously, is shifted onto the consumer of those goods, right? Yeah, which in the case of nursing homes is basically the taxpayer. Um, most of nursing home care is paid for either by Medicare or Medicaid. Um, and yeah, so we we the taxpayers we collectively pay for long most of long term care through our taxes. Bill, one thing that I would like to touch on. Um, your your post suggests that a big across the board increase in Medicaid reimbursements, as pushed by the hospital alliance, would likely be counterproductive as well. Can you discuss maybe the potential consequences of such a policy change? Also, my logic there is that um, Medicaid enrollment is disproportionately concentrated in New York City, uh, and but as we've discussed, New York City has seen big increase in healthcare employment. The areas that have that have still seen losses of employment are upstate. 
And so if you do an across the board increase in Medicaid spending, the bulk of that money is going to flow to the part of the state that doesn't need it or needs it needs it less than than upstate. And it's also going to flow to the industries such as home care that have seen um, huge increases in their employment. And that leaves less money for the, the industry such as nursing homes and um, disability services that are that are struggling. Um, so uh, I just think a big across the board increase in Medicaid rates would be really expensive. We have a deficit right now. I don't think we can use our resources in that way. I think we need to be more targeted and more um, thoughtful about how we allocate resources. Um, and maybe even consider um, trying to constrain uh, spending in the home care area in particular to, to free up resources that can be used for other parts of the healthcare industry that need the money more. So that's how you would say you address the the issues going on. Well, another, I mean, also, I think your first impulse should be to not intervene. Um like I say, there's structural things going on. We have the changes in where the population lives in New York State. Upstate tends to be losing people. Downstate tends to be growing more. You have uh, these these big long-term trends in healthcare where you're moving away from inpatient care towards outpatient settings for more and more um, treatments. That might mean you need fewer employees at hospitals and more employees in these outpatient settings. We're also trying, we've been trying for generations to shift people out of, to the extent possible, to shift them out of nursing homes and to, and to take care of them at home. That would come along with fewer employees in nursing homes and more employees in the home care setting. I don't think, so when, when those policies and those trends result in changes in employment, it shouldn't be the state's automatic response to, to try to stop that. Um, you should let the healthcare system evolve. Um, if you are going to in intervene, you want to intervene in a way that doesn't waste money, that's targeted to where the real problems are, which should be based on a, a more thoughtful assessment of the trends. And you want to do it in kind of as light-handed a way as possible. In some states, nurse practitioners can do relatively more stuff, physicians' assistants. Um, this is a tricky political issue because the, the physicians don't want to give up their work to nurses and nurses don't want to give up their work to nurses' aides. But if you can relax some of those restrictions, you can make the system more efficient. And another thing you can do is you can open yourself to people who are licensed in other states so that they don't have to go through a whole new recertification process to practice in New York. Um, that would that would make it easier for New York providers to hire people. Absolutely. The state should be making it easier, not harder to attract talent um, to the area. Um, Bill, I would like to thank you for their, for your time. Is there any remarks that you would like to make uh, to summarize what we've talked about today? Well, there's a hearing on Tuesday the 19th, which may be today as we're <laughs> as we're appearing on this podcast. Um, it's in New York City. It involves a number of assembly committees who are, and the topic is the healthcare workforce. And I think you're going to hear an awful lot of proposals at that hearing from different 
segments of the healthcare industry pleading for more money from the state so that they can pay their workers more and hire more people. And I just think it's important for that hearing, the people involved in that hearing, the people paying attention to it, to have the context that our healthcare workforce in, in by some benchmarks is actually thriving. It's larger than the rest of the countries. It's It's been growing. It's bounced back from the pandemic and overall it's been growing. And um, so we should, we shouldn't overreact to isolated incidences where there are issues, short shortfalls, and other issues. Bill, I'd like to thank you for your time, and I'd like to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of Messages of Necessity. Until next time. For more news and analysis, visit our website and sign up for email updates at empirecenter.org. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Empire Center.